The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Coughlin, and you're listening to Nature of Business. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited that we have Shelby Clark, who is on the line with us. He is the founder and chief community officer of Relay Rides. Shelby first tried car sharing when his car died after a cross-country trip moved to California, which I'm sure he will tell us all about. And he founded Relay Rides a few years ago. And prior to that, Shelby helped launch three socially focused startups as well. He was the early employee at Kiva.org and also has been a management consultant at Oliver Wyman. Welcome, Shelby. Hi, Chrissy. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. We're thrilled to learn more about your company. So, so tell us the story. How did you come up with the concept of Relay Rides? Sure. Well, um, first, let me just uh, you know, explain briefly what Relay Rides is, and then I can uh, explain where the this, this story came from, But or where the, the idea came from. Um, so really Rides is the uh, the world's first uh, uh, peer-to-peer car sharing marketplace. So uh, sort of a lot of buzzwords in there. So um, you know, very simply what it means is that uh, it makes it safe and convenient to rent cars from people near you. So um, for car owners, it means that uh, if you have a car that's just uh, sitting around a lot of the time, um, you can safely rent it out to your neighbors whenever you're not using it. Um, you earn some money and they get a way to get around, um, so everybody wins. And for uh, people who, who could use a car means uh, affordable access to cars right in your neighborhood. Uh, so Really Rides provides uh, the insurance and online marketplace to, um, to make everything safe and convenient. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of a, a new spin or a new flavor um, off of Zipcar. Um, and, uh, and that's sort of where the idea came from was, you know, I was a, a longtime Zipcar fan. Um, and uh, I was living uh, in Cambridge, actually, getting an MBA at, at Harvard. And um, I'd been using car sharing for a long time. And, um, you know, uh, initially, uh, when I first went over car sharing, it, it had intended to be sort of a, a short-term solution that uh, I had just moved and I was looking to buy a car. And... Um, uh, I signed up for car sharing while I was, uh, you know, waiting to, to find um, uh, you know, exactly what I wanted in a good deal. And a year later, uh, I never bought a car. And you know, I was like, wow, how that happened? Um, you know, and I noticed that I had lots of flexibility. That I had, you know, taken a, a convertible to the beach and a, a SUV to, to, to the mountains, and you know, a hybrid to Trader Joe's. And I, I really liked sort of that I wasn't locked into one car. And I also noticed that I was driving a lot less. Um, I was walking more, biking more, and, and taking public transit. And we don't have a car sitting right outside, it's sort of not your knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also saved a lot of money, um, uh, you know, because you're only paying for a car whenever you need it as opposed to all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these things just felt uh, like really positive changes for, my, uh, for me in my life, and I, and I really appreciated them. Um, but uh, I guess I was frustrated by the fact that I had trouble getting a car on short notice. Um, so... Um, you know, basically, if I um, if I planned far in advance, there were plenty of cars near me. But um, you know, if I ran into milk, I needed to run to the store. Uh, everything close to me was booked, and so I'd either have to wait, um, you know, two or three days to to find a car close to me, or I'd have to you know walk almost as far to the car as I would to the store. And uh, it sort of you know, culminated in this really nasty Boston winter day. Um, I reserved the closest car to me, and it was two and a half miles away. And so you know, for you know the, the Boston listeners or the Cambridge ones, they'll, they'll um, you know, so I was living in, in Harvard Square and. Inman Square was the closest car. And so, um, 
Yeah, I hopped on my bicycle and, you know, pedaling through the you know, the sleet and the snow, you know, sort of being assaulted by every direction by the by the elements and sort of grumbling all, along the way is, you know, and out of frustration, I was noticing all these cars that were just, you know, sort of buried in snow and, you know, looked like they hadn't been driven in weeks. And I was like, you know, God, why am I going so far to get this car? Yeah, I want to hop off my bike and get in one of those cars. And I was uh. like... Why can't I get in one of those cars? <laughs> you know, it's just sitting around, and you know, um, uh, when I had uh, owned a car a couple years before that, um, you know, I, I drove it 500 miles a year, and if you know there was a safe and convenient way for uh, you know for somebody to to use it, um, I absolutely would have let them. And so. Um, you know, the idea just, just felt very intuitive. You know, it felt like there was uh, a lot to do to make it to, to actually make it safe and convenient. But um, the fundamental concept made sense sort of right away. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, to take something that's you know this great idea like Zipcar and you make it for the people, by the people, and it works in way more areas for way more people. So, um, uh, it's, uh, it's since then it's been about um, you know, three and a half years, and uh, we launched in um, starting off in, in Boston um, a year and a half after came up with the idea. Lots lots of work to do to get uh, you know everything in place. Um, especially the insurance that, that took quite a while, um, and then uh, moved out to California in the end of 2010, and um, uh, and then launched nationwide just about a month ago. Okay, so what convinced you that that when you were starting the company that people were going to be willing to give up their cars or to share their cars? Well, um, the uh, I think it was sort of a numbers game. Um, you know, I uh, I had a lot of conversations with people early on, and um, you know, they, at first they would sort of raise their eyebrow and say, "You want a stranger to drive my car?" <laughs> and, uh, but you know, the, but then you sort of take a look at, at the numbers and. So there's 260 million cars on the road in the United States alone. That's 1.2 cars for every licensed driver, and that is astonishing to me. That that there are more cars than drivers. Um, this feels incredibly wasteful. So, you know, then you look at Zipcar, um, you know, the sort of the, the titan in the industry. Uh, you know, at one point it was a billion-dollar company, um, and it has 10,000 cars. So, you know, 260 million cars, 10,000 cars. Um, you know, I, I uh, you know, I wasn't a math major, but I, you know, I think that's about 0.003% of the cars in the United States. Uh-huh. So, you know, it felt like, you know, even if this isn't for 99.9% of the people out there, that there are enough people, I just had confidence that there were enough people um, that, you know, it would resonate with to actually have a very meaningful marketplace. And, you know, and we are absolutely seeing that today, that, uh, you know, that there are plenty of people who are willing to do this. Um, you know, again, it's not for everybody, but um, it certainly is for enough people that we can have a really large, robust marketplace and provide a lot of options to, um, you know, to, to the drivers in, in, the, in the community. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about how it works. You have a car and you, let's say um, you want to rent it out and how, do people get in touch with you and then you install something? How does, what are the mechanics here? Well, that's uh, that's how we used to work. So, okay. um, when we were first launched, uh, we would install this little device in every car, uh, very similar to you know, to other car sharing services. And uh, whenever you user of the car, you would just walk up, um, and uh, you would. Um, we used to have uh, little smart cards, but uh, actually now we uh, everything's electronic. So uh, you text the car, or you use our, our mobile website, which is pretty cool. It's totally wild to text a car and watch it unlock in front of you. It's that's so, so cool. weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so the. Um, oh, We've actually moved into a little bit simpler of a model since we've expanded nationwide, um, where it's a little bit more difficult to sort of coordinate the uh, the installation of, the, of those devices. So uh, we've sort of gone to an old-fashioned key exchange model. So um, you know, a car owner can come to the website and sign up. Uh, in you know, less than five minutes, they can have a profile of their car um, up and running on the website. 
and then they'll receive um, uh, requests. So uh, renters come to the to the website and they, they um, you know put in their address where they live or their, their, their zip code, uh, find cars that are convenient to them, and, and make requests in the car. And so then the owner can take a look at the the renter's profile. They can see you know um, maybe they have Facebook friends in common, um, you know how mm-hmm. many trips that, that they've taken, uh, you know what their feedback has been. Um, and they can choose to approve or, or decline the request. Um, and then uh, actually, uh, whenever the, if they approve the request, then uh, whenever the, the reservation takes place, they, you know, uh, their contact information is exchanged and they, uh, um, they coordinate a time to meet up and exchange the keys. So um, yeah, very simple, but you know, this model has it's tried and true and has worked for years and years with you know, things like vacation rentals. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little, little bit lower technology, but um, you know, it, it's, it's still, um, you know, it, it still absolutely works. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, and we actually haven't abandoned the, the high-tech model either. Um, so we have a, a really exciting partnership that's coming up in the next couple of weeks um, with uh, General Motors. So. Um, uh, back in October, we announced this partnership and are just getting ready to roll it out. But um, the way that it works is it's a technology integration with uh, GM's safety and security platform, uh, OnStar. Hmm. And so uh, any um, GM car owner um, who has a car since 2005 uh, can sign up for Relay Rides and link their OnStar and Relay Rides accounts. And then uh, whenever a renter has the car reserved, they can walk up and um, just like the uh, device-enabled cars, they can unlock it with either uh, a text message or an app. So um, integrated uh, directly with the car's existing technology infrastructure. So it's incredibly exciting. Um, you know, it's a great user experience for both owners and renters. Um, you know, it removes a lot of hassle out of the process in terms of getting that device installed while it still provides a really great, um, you know, interaction in exchange for the actual reservation. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and lastly, I think it's just really exciting to be working with, um, you know, a partner like General Motors. It's the largest automaker in the world and, you know, has been around for over 100 years. Just, you know, an absolute pillar in the industry and um, the fact that, uh, you know, they're starting to think about things like um, selling mobility instead of cars and, you know, alternative mobility and things that are, um, you know, smarter, uh, more efficient ways for people to get around. Um, it's really exciting. And, you know, to be able to be a part of that conversation and be, you know, influencing the, um, you know, the actions of such a major player like General Motors, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very exciting and, um, you know, uh, makes us very optimistic about the, um, the impact that, that really rides in car sharing can, uh, can create. How did you approach them you just came did you just say this would be a great idea to get involved with GM and their OnStar program did you how did that come about well, so, um, you know, we knew that there could be some friction with the existing industry players. So, you know, if you just look to other industries, um, you know, there was huge opposition to any sort of innovation. I mean, think about um, the record labels and, um, you know, in digital music, or think about, you know, what we're seeing, you know, right now uh, with the, the TV networks, you know, really making it difficult to, uh, to innovate and, you know, and access some of their, you know, their content online. Um, but um, you know, so, so we we uh, you know we're aware that there could be some friction, and you know our well, our thought was you know this can actually be a really good thing for automakers, and um, you know let's get ahead of the conversation and and sort of talk to them about it and help you know help them see how we think about it, and so you know we started reaching out to a number of automakers and. Um, and said, you know, hey, um, car sharing, uh, it's, it's growing. Um, it's, you know, uh, it, it's been really accelerating. Uh, currently, there are around a, a million members in the United States. And then, uh, you know, by 2016, uh, a report by Frost and Sullivan estimates there will be over 4 million. So it's, it's not just growing, it's really accelerating and in, in, um, in its expansion. And so, um, you know, and... <clears throat> 
society is becoming more urban. Um, people are, are moving increasingly into cities, um, and when they do, you know, a lot of people are increasingly adopting car sharing. And so, um, just tried to tee up the fact that this is a trend that you really can't ignore and you can't stop. Um, it's going to happen. Um, but you know, but this could be a good thing for you. So. You know, you know, basically, if, if somebody doesn't want to buy a car, you know, they live in a city and they're, not, they're placed in a life where they just don't need a car, they're not going to buy one. And try as hard as you want to sell them a GM car, and they're not going to buy one. They're <laughs> right. not going to buy any cars. So, but what you can do is you can build a relationship with them. Um, you can get them driving GM cars and loving GM cars um, so that whenever they do buy a car down the road, um, your cars are top of mind. And, you know, I'm actually a great example of this. I, I lived in Boston, uh, and I had a Prius, uh, and I loved it. You know, it's great, uh, you know, very practical car, very fuel efficient. Um, and then I moved to California with the company, um, and I was planning on buying a Prius whenever I got out, um, out to California. And... Um, it, the closest car to me in Reeler ads whenever I first got out there was this really great mini convertible. And I drove it around all the time and absolutely fell in love with it. And it was it was not even on my radar of cars to consider. Um, and I bought I bought a mini convertible, almost identical car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's available for rent on the Reeler ads marketplace for eight bucks an hour. So, um, you know, uh, so anyways, you know, I was sort of a, a great example of this, of, you know, you know, Exposing consumers to you know to your products um, and you know, getting them using them on a regular basis is really going to help you build relationships with them. Um, and so, you know, even if the, uh, you know, the landscape is shifting, um, you know, getting involved in car sharing can be you know a really good thing for uh, for an automaker. Mm -hmm. And I know that f I think Ford did, is doing something with Zipcar too. So it's it's definitely a trend. Um, yeah, and it's it's not just um, Ford and uh, and and, Zip and and General Motors. There's actually six automakers that have made a, a play in car sharing. Okay. So um, Daimler has its own car sharing service called Car2Go. Uh, BMW and Volkswagen also have car sharing services in, in Germany, and Toyota is doing a, an experiment with car sharing with uh, apartment buildings in, J in Japan. Hmm. And so, you know, uh, it's just really interesting to see, uh, for me to see how this entire industry is really playing in its own disruption. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, the, uh, as opposed to sort of sitting back and, and being disrupted, they're saying, you know, how can we get involved in this conversation and, um, you know, and, uh, and really benefit from this, this changing trend as well. Right. For those of you who are just joining us, uh, we're speaking with Shelby Clark. He's the founder and chief community officer at Relay Rides. So, Shelby, let's talk about the insurance part of it. So, I have a car, and I'm, I rent it out for... We'll talk about the prices in a minute, but let's say you just mentioned eight dollars an hour. Sure. Um, what, do, what am I worried here as a, as a car owner that my car, if it gets totaled, I'm going to be in trouble? No, you, you, sh you shouldn't have any concern. Um, so, really, Red provides um, an insurance policy that covers the reservation. So, the way that it works is, you know, let's say that you have a State Farm uh, policy, Chrissy. Um, whenever you're driving your car, uh, State Farm will cover you, will cover you under your existing policy. But then okay. if I were to rent your car from you through Relay Rides, uh, the Relay Rides policy would step in during that period, and your insurance policy would not have any coverage. Um, so, um, so yeah, so you, you know, your insurance really is unaffected, um, and the Relay Rides policy is on the hook. And you know, we've um, and the, the policy is through the test of time. Uh, you know, if you if you check out um, our website or look us up on YouTube, I believe there's a, a car owner named Jill. Um, you know, her car was unfortunately totaled, um, but you know, she gave us a testimonial afterwards and said, you know, hey, you know, look, yeah. It, it, 
it was a bummer that my car got totaled, but the really right did everything he said they would. You know, they stood by, they stood by me, they took care of me, they you know they got me um, you know, reimbursement for my car, and you know I'm happy enough to you know to, to give you know uh, to give a testimonial about it. And so, um, you know, accidents are you know a fact of life, but um, you know we really try to make sure that everyone's protected in, in you know the unfortunate event when they do happen. Okay, so my, another question I have is about: do you, is there a, like a blacklist? Let's say you, you you're the renter and you've rented cars and you leave like potato chips and, and <laughs> bags and, and you become known as like that that person who just leaves cars t- trashed do you get is there a way to identify those people absolutely so there's a, a peer-to-peer rating mechanism um, so car owners rate renters and renter, renters rate cars um, and so uh, you know as a renter you can look through all the reviews and, and know exactly what you're getting into uh, you know before you get into a car um, and as a car owner, you can take a look at a renter's reputation and decide if you want them in your car or not. Um, and if you don't, you know, if they do rent your car and, and you don't appreciate how they treated it, um, it's very simple to say you don't want to. You know, the very first question that is asked in the review is, as a car owner, um, would you rent to this person again? And if you say no, then they're banned from your car. Um, and if many people say no, then they'll be banned from really rides. Um, okay. And then the same thing from uh, the, the renter's perspective, would you rent this car again? Um, or I think it's, would you recommend this car to a friend? Um, and so, uh, you know, there's a really high level, very basic question that's very powerful and meaningful that, um, you know, you can easily see those, you know, those aggregated results on, you know, on the cars, um, and the, and the renter's profile pages. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth mentioning though, that, um, you know, I think people always you know, get, get very concerned that um, if somebody were to rent their car, they would um, they wouldn't treat it very well, or at least they wouldn't treat it as well as as as, as they do. Um, and that's just really not what we see on a you know on a common basis. So, you know, think about if you were to borrow a friend's car. You know, for me in particular, you know, I would be horrified if I did anything to that car. Right. Um, and you know, I, I treat a friend's car better than I would treat my own. You know, just. And so, you know, I think that people have this, this mentality that, you know, people sort of you know, don't really respect rental cars. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, it, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit of a spectrum. And, you know, I think that people are actually much closer to treating a car as though they belong, as it belong to a friend than, than if, they, than if um, you know, it belonged to a big rental car company. And, you know, we really try and emphasize that personal connection and those personal stories at every step. Um, so there's a, um, you know, there's a, uh, the car's profile has a big picture of the, of the renter, and you know, it's clear that it's Chrissy's Prius. It's not just a regular Prius. And then, um, you know, uh, many car owners leave a you know a letter for the car for the renter in the car, and mm-hmm. you know, all these sort of personal touches that make it really impossible to not know that you're renting a car from a person. And you know, especially if, with this key exchange mechanism, you're going to look Chrissy in the eye, and you know, and, and get the keys from here, and then you have to give the keys back, <laughs> right? Right. Um, so you know, the it's more common that we hear about people bringing the cars back in better condition than worse. So. You know, I think it's, it's it's relatively common for the renter to wash the car and bring it back, you know, very clean. Um, but you know, one car in the marketplace, you know, I, I thought there's a really great story. Um, the, uh, the the car, the cigarette lighter uh, was burnt out, and so um, you weren't able to use the um, uh, that uh, f- uh, to, to charge your phone. Mm-hmm. And so a renter was a little bit frustrated, and um, and uh, you know, they but. And they actually stopped and uh, replaced the fuse. And so they brought the car back in better condition than they found it. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, I just was really amazed by that. You know, that's just not what you're going to find with a regular rental car company. And I think that it's really indicative of the way that, you know, the, the community in the marketplace acts in really rides. Well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, um, I wanted to talk about the competition and sort of the money-making aspect of this. But this really begs the question, I want to talk about this collaborative consumption economy. Because what is going on here? Um, I know that, you know, I know that... Uh, 
I think I read something something about Lisa Gansky, and she had a, she had a great quote. Um, uh, I, know, I think she's is she an investor for years, but she also has a book called the Ma- the Mash: Why the Future of, of Business is Sharing. Why is this? What is going on with society? Sure. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, I think that Lisa Gansky noticed uh, she put a lot of really dissimilar pieces together um, and, and saw that there's this increasing trend, uh, there's this changing consumer behavior that um, people are increasingly looking to access goods and services instead of owner, instead of owning them. So uh, it's really that is, is sort of the, the core tenet is access trumps ownership. Um, you know, and I think that... It, uh, the you know, Netflix was you know one of the first people to figure this out. You know, I don't really care if I own the movie. You know, uh, I just want to watch it, right? And um, and so you know, I you know, they, they they provide access to the movie, and you know, Zipcar, you know, they they provide access to cars in the same way that we do. Um, and so, you know, Lisa sort of noticed, uh, and there's another author named Rachel Botsman who wrote a book called um, What's Mine is Yours, The Rise of Collaborative Consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and collaborative consumption has also really been, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, uh, a common name to, to describe this phenomenon, um, you know, where people are increasingly sharing and renting as opposed to owning. And so, they, you know, they look at all these different companies. You've got Netflix and you've got Zipcar and you've got Really Rides and, you know, Airbnb is a place where you can, uh, you know, rent out your, you know, yeah, your we, apartment or just a We room. just talked about them on the first yeah. Yeah. Part of the show, yeah, and um, you know, so there, you, you sort of say apartments and cars and and, uh, and movies. What's sort of the common thread here? And um, the um, uh, you know, and, and it's sort of this concept that people you know are increasingly looking to, to access goods and services instead of owning them. Um, you know, and I think that it's a uh, you know, it's it's a really positive trend. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons. So for um, on the environmental front. Um, you know, fewer goods and services need to be produced um, because, you know, they're sort of shared across many people. And then, um, you know, it, economically, uh, it's, it's much cheaper. So, for example, with car sharing, uh, the average renter saves about $500 a month compared to car ownership by paying for a car only when, when they need it. Um, so, you know, there are a, it makes a lot of sense a lot of cro- across a lot of different reasons. And, um, you know, I think it was it was growing uh, pretty rapidly, and then I think it sort of hit. Uh, it started to really accelerate in 2008. For uh, for uh, in my opinion, I think there are sort of three main reasons. Um, the first was that uh, you know the the global the global economic crisis. You know, people you know their their uh, their pocketbooks were really hurting, and they had to take a deep look at, at you know what they were where they were spending their money. I think that uh, you know a lot of um, these sort of existing consumer behaviors of having 1.2 cars for you know for every driver are just wasteful, and so. Um, people wanted to, you know, uh, to, to spend less money, um, but without really affecting their lifestyle too much, and this made a lot of sense for them. And, you know, I think that um, the second point is just as technology is getting uh, better and cheaper, uh, it's making this, uh, the exchange a lot easier. So, you know, for example, our partnership with General Motors, um, it's just this beautiful integration that, uh, you know, we can tie directly into the car um, and make that, that transaction really, really simple. And so I think that as technology continues to improve, you're going to start seeing, um, you know, ways that can sort of reduce that friction uh, in, in the actual uh, rental process. Mm-hmm. And lastly, uh, with the the rise of social networks. I think that people are becoming increasingly uh, comfortable uh, building relationships online and trusting in those relationships. And you know, I think that that's a major hurdle for us at Really Rides is, is trying to um, uh, 
to really provide a you know a safe, um, well lit community and marketplace. Um, and uh, you know, in one way that we do that is you know through Facebook and showing you know when you have mutual connections with friends and, and having sort of a, a reputation uh, that's very visible on, on on the website. And so, you know, I think sort of those those three you know trends were sort of a perfect storm uh, to really kick off and, and accelerate the sharing economy. And um, you know, it, and it's, it it continues to expand and increase. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of this too is that people who who buy cars uh, who want cars they're still going to want their car i mean i'm i'm definitely one of those people that i you know i i i um travel enough um, through work that I, I really do kind of need a car. But uh, so you're going to have a certain percentage of the community that has the car and you do need that inventory. You need people who own the cars so people can then rent them. And then of course. Right. All right. So what are what's the competition out there? Why? What what's going on? Are we going to see like the uh, sort of relay rides? It's a race to the top or is there room for <laughs> is there room for everybody here? Or what's going on? So, so Really Reds was the first company to do this, and now there are, um, I think, around 30 companies worldwide that are doing it. Um, Europe is, uh, there's a lot of activity in Europe. I think there are nine um, similar peer-to-peer car sharing companies alone in Europe. Um, in the U.S., there is, uh, there's four, including Really Reds. Um, so um, uh, a couple of other competitors um, uh, get around in, in wheels and just share it are, um, are sort of the main ones. Uh, they're all um, in the Bay Area. Um, get around has um, service in uh, in Portland and Seattle as well. Um, so, uh, but really mostly on the West Coast. Um, so, Really Reds is the only um, it's the only company that uh, that is nationwide, um, and we're the uh, uh, we're the only company to have a um, sort of uh, a major um, automotive partner with with General Motors. So. You know, I think that uh, it's exciting to see, uh, you know, other activity in the marketplace. Uh, you know, it sort of validates the concept. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, th- there's way more people who aren't using car sharing than are. And so, you know, I really view them as, as much more collaborative than competitive. Um, you know, if we can work together to provide um, more and better options that make car sharing a better alternative to car ownership, um, you know, I think that it's going to, you know, to help car sharing reach new areas. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that, that's one of the things that I'm really excited about with our, with our national launch is that uh, you know we can start to to serve some of these um, less dense um, less dense areas um, that you know a traditional um, model of car sharing like Zipcar could never could never serve. Um, so, example, you know we've got cars all the way from uh, Anchorage, Alaska to Tampa, Florida, um, and uh, you know it's really exciting to start seeing some of those um, you know those areas uh, utilizing car sharing. And you know I think that it's what it's doing is it's, it's democratizing car sharing. It's anybody who yeah. wants it wants car sharing in the community can have it up and running in five minutes. Um, and so, you know, uh, I think that it's going to be, we're starting to see a little bit um, different behavior in terms of how people are using the marketplace and, you know, the changes that they're making in their lives. And so, you know, I think as opposed to you know, in the city, uh, I think a lot of people, um, you know, they'll, they'll, complete, they'll live ca- completely car free uh, if they use car sharing. Um, but in you know some of the less dense suburban uh, you know uh, or even rural areas, you, you probably need to have at least one car in your household. And so, you know, what we're targeting are um, you know we're, we're hoping that people can round down the number of cars they need. So we talk a lot about what we call the one and a half or two and a half car families. So it's a family that always needs one car but sometimes needs two. Mm-hmm. And I think that right now they don't have a lot of option besides to round up. Um, 
But what we're hoping with Relay Rides is that they, they can they can round down. You know, they, they know that they have access to that third car uh, or that second or third car whenever they need it, in the same way that they have access to a large car, like an SUV or a truck, um, so that, you know, they can buy fewer cars and more sensible cars, you know, maybe a, you know, a hybrid or, um, or, or or something along those lines. Um, that, you know, it's going to make things more affordable, um, you know, in terms of, you know, with rising gas prices and, and better for um, for the environment. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the uh, I think it's it's really exciting to, to think that, um, or to, to actually start seeing um, these benefits of car sharing uh, really being uh, available to anyone anywhere in the country. So I'm going to Kansas City in a few weeks, so I can actually, you guys are now national, so I can possibly do this in Kansas City. Uh, absolutely. So I'm not entirely sure, you know, uh, what the marketplace looks like in Kansas City, but uh, you know, it certainly is growing rapidly, and um, yeah. you know, I encourage, uh, yeah, I encourage you to check it out. <laughs> I'll, I'll help. I'll help get the word out in Kansas City when I'm there. Um, so let's um, let's talk about the. Uh, we've got a couple more minutes, so let's talk about the the, the financial aspect of this. Certainly, people are making money uh, by renting their cars out. How much is this a, a real impetus for for people to be involved, and, and what kind you of know, money are we looking at? <laughs> Sure. You know, I think the uh, economics actually work on both sides of the coin for both renters and owners. Um, I've sort of already mentioned that, you know, renters uh, are able to save a lot of money by paying for a car only when they need it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the average person saves about $500 per month um, by, you know, by, by using car sharing as opposed to owning a car. Um, I, I actually don't even think that people really uh, recognize how much they're spending on their cars. I think the average person spends about $8,000 a year um, when you add in, uh, you know, the, the, the car payments and, uh, you know, uh, maintenance and gas and everything. Um, it really adds up. Yeah. So this is you know a really great way to reduce those those costs. Yeah. And for car owners, um, you know the uh, they're making on average um, you know uh, over two hundred fifty dollars a month um, by renting their car out through Relay Rides. So you know, it's it's really meaningful income, but you know, that uh, you know, that the number also really varies. So uh, the car owners are um, they tr- they set their own price. Um, so it's truly a marketplace. Um, and then you know sort of depending on the location and availability, it can really make a big difference in terms of your income. So. Mm-hmm. Last month, the top car owner earned over a thousand dollars, and um, actually, one of our um, our, our owners in um, in, uh, in Cambridge, uh, a gentleman named Curtis Chong, uh, he has a 2006 Honda Civic, um, and uh, it, I think it was worth around forty eight hundred dollars uh, when he enrolled the car in Wheeler Rides, and in less than nine months, he made fifty three hundred dollars <laughs> off of his car. So his car was just printing cash, and um, it actually paid off his entire car. Wow. Um, which is pretty wild. Um, so, you know, I think it, it can be, you know, really meaningful income um, that, you know, can completely offset, um, you know, your transportation expenses. And, you know, essentially, you know, if, if um, uh, depending on how much you drive, um, the, you can get a completely free car. And at the same time, uh, you're helping out a neighbor and you're making your community more livable. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and helping out the environment. So right. one thing I haven't mentioned is the, you know, the environmental impact of, of car sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know the uh, so I'll touch on that for a second. Um, so the average shared car uh, takes uh, about 14 cars off the road, um, and so basically uh, the reason is that if people have access to a car, they don't need to own one. Um, and uh, so they um, uh, many people they um, they don't buy a car by uh, whenever after they roll enroll in car sharing, or uh, they sell a car because they don't need one anymore. Um, and so on average, uh, about you know, studies have shown, and this is well studied over more than a decade, um, that the average shared car takes about 14 cars off the road. And then in addition, um, people, they drive less. So, you know, it may seem counterintuitive that providing access to cars is actually something that's good for the environment. Um, But, you know, 
so you have some people who don't drive at all and that have access to a car and they drive more. Um, but then you also have other people who had a car and now they're using car sharing and they drive way less. And that sort of decrease in driving really outweighs the increase in driving you see from people who are driving now and they weren't driving before. Right. And so on average, um, uh, the average person drives 40% less um, whenever they use car sharing compared to car ownership. And uh, studies have also shown that they walk more, they bike more, and they take public transit more. Um, so, you know, these are really great things for the environment and for communities. Um, and, um, you know, it's exciting to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, that, that these sort of benefits and these, you know, smart lifestyle choices are now available, uh, you know, anywhere you live. Wow, this is terrific, Shelby. Um, I'm excited. I, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for, um, for taking the time. Hey, no problem. I really enjoyed being on the show. So thanks for having me, Chrissy. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. 